Well, good morning, Salem Hiders, and uh, any guests who is watching, we welcome you here today uh, to our home church. And of course, we'll continue to do this, uh, do church in this way until we're able to come back together, which we, of course, look forward to doing. Um, I want to encourage you uh, with a word from um, Psalms. Psalm 104 says this. It says, I will sing to the Lord all my life, and I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. And goes on to say, but may my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. And he's called us to do that no matter the circumstance. And so we're going to worship him because he is worthy of worship no matter what is going on around us. So let's do that now, if we could. We're going to sing goodness of God. like this. I love you, Lord. Know your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. Darkest nights, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, and I have.
take away some of what our security may be. And maybe that's something that God wants to do in us, right? Strip those things away so that we would just trust Him. So don't let fear paralyze you. Let this song be an encouragement. When He told you you're not good enough, when He told you you're not right, when He told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, not worthy when he told you you're not loved when he told you you're not beautiful that you'll never be loved and fear he is a liar he will take your breath stop you
left us alone uh, to manage all this by ourselves. This is a great time for us to, to really to look up and look to you in all things. We know that that's what tends to happen when um, uncertainty comes, when um, hardships come. And so we would pray that you'd help us to do that. I pray that you would uh, help us to be those that walk with you daily and that, that um, that as we draw near to you, that uh, we're so close to you that, that um, the things of this world uh, would grow strangely dim, just like that great old hymn says. I pray now that as we look into your word, that it would be a great encouragement. Help us, um, help us to be encouraged to the point of, of living this week, maybe in a new way, in a different way than we've been living thus far. So I pray that you'd help us now as we do that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you again this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to grab them now and open them to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we're back in our series called Who Do You Think You Are? And I'm really excited to be with Pastor Justin. And as folks are finding their place uh, in the Bible there in Matthew 28, I know you wanted to give us another quick update about uh, some of the pictures we've been receiving uh, for seeds and yeah. growth. Yeah. 
the, uh, the, the pictures have been awesome, and the fact that we're getting them from every single uh, you know, age group right. has been really, really cool. <laughs> Uh, what I love is the smiling faces as everybody has planted something. Uh, we did get a few uh, eye stock photos that clearly <laughs> they maybe have planted something someplace, but uh, the picture they sent us was uh, definitely Not something beautiful off of the internet <laughs> that they planted. So, uh, but for everybody that has actually sent us pictures and is participating in this, we, we actually have intended to do a uh, prize for them. We're just going to be collecting those for a couple more weeks. Yeah. Uh, so in two more weeks, we're going to close our window on that and uh, tally that up and start um, handing out prizes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we'll make sure that we give you a clear date and what the prize is next week. Yeah. So if you're one of those kids who's been watching and, and wondering where's uh, my prize, yeah. um, it's coming for you. And yeah. uh, we're excited to have you continue to send those pictures for a few weeks. Uh, you know, as we kind of get shift our attention now from worship to the Word of God, this is the most important thing that we can do as a church is direct our attention to what God's Word tells us. And one of the things that you and I were talking about just before we started to record is uh, there are certain topics and themes that in the process of preparing for a message, God actually really can um, be revealing things to you. And, and so I'm excited to just spend some time with you and to walk through um, this morning talking about what it means to be a disciple. Yeah. And uh, this is a topic that, for me, has been really something I've been reading a lot about and looking into, studying the scriptures, because uh, we want to be a church that is making disciples. And yeah. so where does this term, this idea, this theological idea of a disciple, uh, where do we kind of see that in scripture? Yeah, well, the main emphasis uh, where we hear that word disciple or mathetes comes out of uh, the Gospels, and it's actually from that, that moment where Jesus's men, the apostles, were walking with him, listening to him, living like him, and then began to transfer what that experience was like uh, to other people around. And that's the primary place where we get that idea of disciple or discipleship, mathetes, out of the Gospels. But as we come into the rest of the New Testament, there still is this principle of follow me as I follow Christ, Paul says, or of handing off that truth to others. What we're looking at is what does it take to transfer the knowledge and all that it means to be a Christian to another generation. So I've learned it and now I'm handing that off. What's the process of apprenticeship mm. or of growth in there? And that's what sometimes can get a little dusty Yeah, is that hearing that word discipleship, we sometimes just package that up into a process of, well, we've put that name on a lot of things yeah. without really incorporating anything or having it impact our life. And so there are a lot of books out there. There's a lot of uh, writing out there on the topic of discipleship, what it means to be a disciple. How does the church do that? Should they do it? And so we want to take some time this morning to kind of highlight maybe the heart behind what, what it means to be a disciple. And I know the text that we asked you to turn to is in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, it's a pretty familiar text. Hopefully you found it there. We're going to look at uh, verses 18 through 20. But this is after Jesus has uh, died on the cross, has been buried and risen from the dead, and has shown himself now alive, fully alive. Yeah. Uh, and he says this in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. It says, Jesus came near and said to them, 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Yeah, that's a... That's the central passage that you think of when you hear the word discipleship. And it also is the transference from the group of men that were around Jesus into the church age. Hey, I want you to go and do this. Make disciples. Make followers of me or people who look like me and walk and, and act like me in the world that are drawn to me. That is uh, called classically the Great Commission. All of you are called to go do this one thing, make disciples. Mm -hmm. um, but the real question for us is now, what are some practical pieces of how do we do that? Yeah. Right? right? And so there's a couple other passages I'd have us read along with this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10. Yeah, it says this in verse 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Now, he kind of goes on here and gives an example of uh, this, but what is, what is Paul kind of getting at here? Yeah, I think the, the main thing that he is addressing, now we're, we're going beyond the Great Commission where he says, go and do this. Paul gives us an actual lifestyle principle. So I, I want you to understand, you're going to be living out what it means to be a Christian. Everything's permissible, so under grace... You're forgiven and everything is possible, right? Yeah. All the, the law was known for all of its restrictions. Paul is preaching a gospel of grace where everything is possible. Yeah. But he says, now I want you to think about this though. Just because you can doesn't mean you should <laughs> in all of these things. And he's talking about restricting your own life for the sake of another person. Yeah. So there are some boundaries that come in our life out of love, not in order to be faithful, in order to prove our faithfulness, but because we just love other people. Mm -hmm. But he continues that um, at the end, verse 31. Let's read that through verse 1 of chapter 11. It says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God, just as I also try to please everyone in everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, so that they may be saved. Imitate me, as I also imitate Christ. So after he gives that big illustration, he actually says, the, the thing I want you to wrap your mind around is that if you eat or drink or whatever you do, he doesn't restrict it to that. He just said, I gave this illustration. But whatever you're doing, do everything for the glory of God. If I'm going to glorify God, that means that there's actually some things that I, I actually can do, but I shouldn't for your sake. Mm. Or I shouldn't for the sake of, of the people that I'm trying to reach in the world. Yeah. Or I shouldn't in order just to say, Lord, I love you and I know this is possible for me to do, but I'm not gonna do this because you're gonna be great, greatly honored if I would give this up for your sake. Yeah. So I restrict myself. The key phrase though at the very end is, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, or in uh, most translations, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul's actually saying, I've been hanging on to Jesus and I learned these principles and now I'm pulling you Corinthians along with me. And it's this conveyor belt of faith where he says, this is one of the hardest things to learn as a disciple, to do these things. 
I'm hanging on to Jesus. Will you please let me hang on to you and I'm going to pull you towards these truths. So he tells them about discipleship, even as he talks about this love that would restrict. And here's one of the first things that we notice about discipleship is that uh, true discipleship when it comes to the Bible is following Christ. Yeah. And so there's a lot of different ideas out there of how people should live. And there's a lot of ideas out there where people will kind of proclaim and say, this is how you should live your life as a Christian, but it's all man's opinion. Yeah. What I love about what Paul is doing here in the scriptures is he's giving a practical application to some people who did not see Christ, did not weren't around him, yeah. but now have heard about him. But he's saying the authority or, or my motivation for telling you this is not because this is what I think or what I've learned. I'm telling you this because this is what I've heard from Christ. This is what I was taught about what Christ has called us to. And I'm going that direction and I want you to come along with me. Yeah. I think that's a key part in discipleship is that the source of our learning is Christ and nothing else. Yeah, and I think um, there's one other passage that actually helps flush that one idea out. In mm. 2 Timothy 2, and then uh, we'll have our discussion. Yeah, it says this, verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Amplifying that idea that uh, I'm hanging on to Christ and I'm pulling other people along with me. Paul says, I've learned a bunch of things and I want to pour them into other individuals so that they'll keep pouring into others. Mm -hmm. um, th this is an amazing picture, but this now rounds up what we're calling discipleship. And that is the idea of following Christ and bringing others along with us. Yeah. The whole concept that we have for this series was that there are some areas that get dusty and the implication is we're, we're talking to the congregation, right? <laughs> uh, so this area has gotten dusty and we want to re-enliven it. We yeah. want to refresh it. But actually in our discussion, this has actually been part of the, the richest part of our study as we were walking through yeah. this is, is how it's impacting you and I. Yeah. And there was actually some stuff that you're beginning to unpack in this process that really meant a ton to you, but it, it moved from a little bit of information back into Man, it started to register with me in in a couple of different ways right. that are fresh. Yeah. What is the, the if you're going to say this is the overarching theme? Yeah. That really has impacted me. What is it? It's that discipleship is a direction, not a destination. Okay. And what that means is that instead of pursuing knowledge of who Christ is or learning the Bible in itself. And believing that there's going to come a point where I, I gain a bunch of knowledge and I, I kind of change, make some changes in how I live my life and then I arrive. Yeah. That true discipleship is always moving towards Christ. Yeah. And that it's not about uh, what I do, what I learn, what I've completed or achieved. It's about where am I headed? Where am I looking? Where am I going? Yeah. And so what is just kind of got and i don't know why it's just resonated with me but i think uh it's just been this thing that really has uh, has kind of excited me and energized me to really make sure that we're about that here at salem heights yeah. which is uh discipleship or being a disciple is not something that i've achieved in the past it's something that i'm currently pursuing yeah yeah i think uh we actually talked about this concept of a bounded set versus a centered set yeah. And, and there's some mathematical terms that are involved <laughs> there. 
But if you were to take a, a bounded set or something that has boundaries, you can put the, the boundaries uh, down on the ground and then determine there are things that are inside the boundaries and there are things that are outside those boundaries. So if you look at life and life is just a series of boundaried sets, yeah. right? I have a chicken coop at home and I'll be able to tell you whether or not the chickens are in the coop or out. And the ones outside the coop are going to be dead. There's creatures <laughs> around that don't want them to live. Right. The ones inside are safe. We kind of look at that that way with people. Mm. You're either inside the boundaries and safe or you're outside, therefore not safe. Mm. Uh, you're 100% saved. That's what C.S. Lewis said, right? Mm -hmm. If you're inside this group of boundaries or you're 100% lost just as soon as you cross this boundary. But that's not the way that scripture clearly references. Mm -hmm. The center point is a, is a different way of looking at it. And that would be the idea if I took a magnet and I set it down in the center of a table and I just have a bunch of uh, marbles that are out here. Some of them are metal, some are glass, whatever. And I put a strong magnet in the middle. There are going to be, there's a, a magnetic pull mm. from these. Some are closer to the center already. Yeah. Just like some are born in a church and they have a greater opportunity to learn about Jesus from the beginning. Sure. But that doesn't make them a Christian. They may not be drawn to the magnet at all. There might not be anything in them pulling them towards him. The test in scripture is, is there something being pulled towards Jesus? You may be far, far away, but the question is, are you being pulled towards him? And are you getting closer and closer? And the proof of your magnetic uh, connection is the proximity it keeps getting, you keep getting closer, Yeah. right? There are some marbles that start close that actually just start to roll away or they never actually change their frame of reference. There's no pull in them at all. Mm -hmm. Discipleship is this idea there's something magnetically in me drawn towards Jesus. And every day, I, I, there's more of me that wants to get to know him. Yeah, and I think familiarity with Christ over time, your knowledge of the scriptures, yeah, in comparison to other people, can cause this idea of being constantly drawn towards Christ to become dusty. Because yeah. the focus then is not on who am I in him and, and how am I walking alongside him, but it's what have you know? What have I already accomplished? What do I already know? And am I good with that? Yeah. But that wouldn't work in a marriage relationship. It wouldn't be well. I've learned enough about my wife, and so we're good. And yeah. now we kind of just coexist. No, I I pray, and I'm thankful now um, that we've been uh, together for man over 20 years now. Um, why? I mean, the fact that we're continually I'm continuing to learn and know about her as her life in Christ continues to grow. Yeah. And, and as she's growing, I'm growing closer to her, and we're continuing to be drawn to each other as we move forward in the future. Yeah. That's the sign of a healthy relationship with my wife. Am I still drawn to her? Do I still care about her? Do I still want to hear from her and learn from her? Yeah. Uh, the sign that my relationship uh, with her uh, would be weak is not, well, is, am I still married to her? Am I still wearing a ring? Are we still yeah. legally considered married? It would be, do I know her? Have I talked to her? Have I heard what God's been doing in her life? And so that's probably the thing for me that I really want to stress to our, our folks is just, are you moving towards Christ? Do you still have a passion for him? Does he still, is he still the love of your life? Um, have you gotten complacent? Have you plateaued? Has that become dull or yeah. less, attra less attractive. I'll say this, if it, if it seems like your relationship is less vibrant and maybe that he's less attractive, that's not because of him. There's something that's happened in, 
in your heart. That magnetic pull is weak yeah. or non-existent, yeah. and you have to address that first. Yeah. When we were talking about this, there were three marks mm -hmm. that we were talking about in discipleship that make, all three of them are woven together to make one rope that's mm -hmm. pulling us towards eternity. So if we're all hanging on to this kind of three-stranded rope we're calling discipleship that's moving us closer to Christ, um, those three strands are loving, learning about, and living for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted us to walk through those very yeah. quickly yeah. Uh, here in the rest of our time uh, and highlight what that looks like and how that all these three together make up discipleship. Yeah. Um, but the first one is uh, that in order for us to be drawn towards Christ and exhibit that, to be a disciple and to put discipleship on display, we need to be loving Christ. When we do that, our discipleship is about devotion and not just emotion. Mm. Yeah. I mean, for me, that where my mind kind of goes there is not these emotional high points, again, that are kind of all in the past, but there's this continual devotion moving towards Christ. And, and what I've learned about in my life is that I'm either moving towards Christ or moving yeah. towards something else. I, I can't say that I'm not a disciple of something or I'm not being influenced by something or something hasn't gained my attention or my affection. Uh, it's either going to be God, yep. myself, or something that's not God. Yeah. And uh, I think the scriptures are really clear that uh, that's going to become pretty... Uh, important for us to evaluate and make sure that we're we're moving towards the lord yeah and if you if you love something if we if we pull it away from because sometimes we can hear well i need to love jesus and we think well i just need to go to another event mm -hmm. right and so if they have a really good worship moment i have an emotional response i get a little teary over my lack and so i i move forward but um that actually may disguise what we really need to be about because you should have some emotion when you think about Jesus. Yeah. There should be some connection Absolutely. that's there. Um, but it, it can't just be that I have an emotional connection. Uh, we were talking about a couple of different ways uh, to illustrate this. Um, but the things that you love will become evident because it just becomes a part of your life. So if, uh, if you just love watching you know, HGTV, there's some things about you where, where you love it, but you don't actually become a do-it-yourselfer, right. Right? right? You love it, you want these things to happen, and you go hire somebody to come <laughs> do the things that you're seeing on do-it-yourself TV yeah. on there. But if you're a real follower of Chip and Joanna Gaines, all of a sudden you begin to do projects in there, in your home, and, and people can walk into your house and find out, oh yeah, this is a do-it-yourselfer <laughs> that is living out their dream, their best now. Right. So you buy a, a wrecked place, and you begin the process of changing these different things and making that home your own. But you can walk in and tell whether or not somebody has been at it themselves, uh, or they just like to watch it. Right. I think there's a difference. It will be evident in your life or in your house uh, there's changes that get made that show you are lovingly pursuing something. Mm -hmm. A Yankee fan. <laughs> it's all over me, right? right? So I can tell right away if somebody else is a Boston fan because they will automatically mock me right. the moment that I walk into a place. And so what would be the summary point for this, yeah. uh, this first point? Well, the summary point is who or what you love will become evident. Mm -hmm. Everyone will see what you love and it will become a mark of your life. Yeah. They'll see it on you. 
And so this should be true for us as disciples, is that we should, it should be obvious that when they interact with us, and when they hear us talk, that uh, we naturally just, it seems to always come back to the Lord. Yeah. About what he's doing in our life, what we're excited about, how he's comforting us, how he's guiding us, how he's giving us uh, a path in a time of uncertainty. Um, I think that is really, that you truly love him is that you spend some time with him. It's obvious that you've been with him lately. Yeah. Yeah. What about the second point? Yeah, the second one is learning. Uh, discipleship is about learning, not just passing classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know at our church, uh, we have offered for many years different classes, and uh, we have many different um, offerings, whether it be fundamentals of the faith. We used to do running the bases. Uh, we have our discipleship track um, for both men's and women's. We have small groups. There's all kinds of things that you yeah. can do. Uh, but one of the shifts we made a long time ago was um, to make this not about kind of going through some classes and completing them, but allowing these things to be something that we continue to have a process with. Yeah. That it wasn't just about, um, okay, I passed fundamentals of the faith, I have a certificate, so now I'm a disciple. But in those classes, there, were, there was a call to action. Okay, if this is you... This is what God's word says. This is what he's calling you to be. And if this is you, this is what it'll look like. This is how you will live it out. And we won't have to, um, you know, yeah. really force you to do it, right? Yeah. So um, I think this is an important important point for us to, to know that um, when it comes to becoming more like Christ, he has to do that work. Yeah. If you look at in, in the gospels, when Jesus starts to call his disciples, he says, follow me and I will make you this. So it's not just about, hey, go do this, and then I will declare you a disciple. No, follow me, and let me do this in your life. So it's not just about passing a class. It's about real, true spiritual transformation that only God can do. Yeah, in my mind, I envision people, and uh, we can do one of two things. We can either do a bunch of activity, then bring it to the Lord and say, will you bless it, right? Yeah. But it's still me. I'm doing it. It's what I want. Yeah. It's my life. Or we could say, Lord, what would you have? And confront my ignorance and help me learn what I'm supposed to be about. So the changes that we made were twofold a, a while ago. Instead of having classes where we just read somebody else's book and they had already chewed on the food, right, and told us some things to think, and we spend all this time debating, do we like the author's style or whatever, we went straight back to scripture. Yeah. And, and we said, let's read scripture and then let's just watch the hearts in the room and say, at, we're going to start talking when we watch the hearts in the room struggle with a statement. <laughs> so we start with the book of John. And right in chapter one, he starts punching you in the head, right? It's, it's the hard <laughs> stuff to wrap your mind around. And, and, and by the time you get to John chapter six, the most people that quit discipleship at Salem Heights quit in John chapter six. <laughs> he starts saying high things. And the most interesting thing is Jesus is saying, where did they all go? And his disciples are the only ones left. And they said, well, they all left. Well, why did you stay? Well, you have the words of life. Yeah. There's actually a transfer that happens even in the scriptures that's happening in the heart of the believer. And the question is, are you just passing classes? I passed a, a bunch of classes in seminary. The, the, so I get a good grade in that, right? I've passed the class, but I'm still hungry to go back and relearn some of those things. A good basketball player totally. goes back and says, what are the fundamentals? And I'm relearning how to, to do this better. Um, 
Jesus is calling us not just to pass and get a grade and say, been there, done that, but he's actually saying, will you come back and walk with me in the nuances of it? Every spiritual mentor in my life that I look up to and revere, someone that I say they have a love for Jesus, a knowledge of his word that I would love to have for myself, yeah. every single one of them has a God-created humility yeah. even though they have gleaned a ton of wisdom. Yeah. And I've seen in all of them this idea that the more you learn about God and the more he begins to change you from the inside out, the more you feel like you don't know. It's like yeah. it's just the tip of the iceberg. And so you want to continue to pursue that. And what's amazing about God's word is that that truth has always existed in there. Yeah. And he says, if you seek truth, you will find it. It's not meant to be yeah. hidden, but it's going to take time for it to really get into you. So continue to pursue that. And I think that's what I want to have is I want to have a, a spirit. I want to have a desire for God's word that the more I have it, the more I feed it, the more my appetite grows for it. Uh, but it doesn't lead me to this heady knowledge of like, well, now I'm a master disciple. Yeah. It leads me into that low posture of, man, I am a child of God, and I want to continue to learn from my Father. Yeah. Yeah, there's no point where you say, man, I, I've I am the most humble person in the room. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So the summary point there is what we learn should confront our ignorance. There should be a moment where we are confronted by what we're learning. Scripture says... My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. If, if we go a long period of time reading the scriptures and we only agree or we're only reading things, oh yeah, I've been there, done that, got it. We're not actually reading scripture. We need to test ourselves and say, when was the last time I ran into a thought in scripture that I knew was not my thought, mm -hmm. not my way, not my heart, and I broke and I yielded over that. Then you're a disciple right? to yeah. yield to that. So taking the time to, to not move off of it too quickly because yeah. God might be wanting to do something in your heart. That's it. Yeah. There's one more characteristic. Living for Jesus. Mm. That was this idea. Discipleship is becoming what Christ compels me to be, not constrained by what I feel forced to be. Yeah. And I think this is one of the big myths about Christianity is that yeah. in order to follow Jesus, I have to let go of everything that's going to be fulfilling and desirable and, and enjoyable and basically just accept a life of humility, service, and no fun. Yes, right? yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that is what Scripture is teaching. No. Because you have men like Paul uh, who go on and talk about how everything that I had, and I had a lot, whether it be social status, position, power, uh, possessions. I, I consider that really, as I've had now the ability to look at that and what Christ offers me, that stuff is rubbish. It's the same thing we see from King Solomon and Ecclesiastes, who was yeah. so rich. His kingdom, it says that silver was like dirt. It had lost its value. He had so much of it. And yet having everything he wanted, saying he didn't withhold anything that his eye desired, after doing that, living it up to the fullest pie that anybody ever has had the ability to do, he says, it's not worth it. It doesn't compare to what God offers me. Yeah. And so I know you had an illustration to kind of maybe help us understand this at a little bit more practical level. Well, and I think, uh, yeah, when we, we take a look at, at um, the changes too that we've made at the church, that there's something inside us that happens when we are gravitationally pulled towards Christ. Yeah. And we made a change also in our discipleship process. I know Matt and I, way back when, instead of 
looking at folks and saying, we're reading scripture, this isn't measuring up and badgering them into the kingdom. We said instead, what, what if we just believed that the spirit of God is inside the child of God, that everything in them wants to be what scripture says they're supposed to be. Yeah. So in a child of God, there's actually a hunger to be generous. There's a hunger to share the gospel. There's a hunger to, to work with the broken. I want to do that. I want to, that's where I actually want to be. How come I can't do that? Our goal is to help them unburden themselves from the things that are getting in the way of what their heart is really craving yeah. and then release them to be what they always have wanted to be. And that is as a child of God, I just want to be what God's desired me to be. I want to be an evangelist. I want to be somebody who makes a difference on the street. Yeah. We, we have a dog and uh, well, we have a couple of them <laughs> and uh, they can be a real mess. Um, but, but I watch uh, the dog when, when it is asked to be constrained by a bunch of rules, right? All of our animals have at one time or another worn party hats or had clothes <laughs> put on them or been uh, constrained. Um, but right now there is a, a process where they're having uh, other little creatures that are in the house, uh, little chickens or uh, birds that are being hatched. And they're setting them in front of the dog. And the dog's nature is, I just want to taste it or I just want to go <laughs> at it. It's also the same with the cat. But when you watch the dog and it is told, sit in this area, be in this place, and the dog's nature is not just to sit in one place. It wants to join. It sure. wants to be a part of the pack. It wants to be all excited. Yeah. It's all constrained. And you can watch inside there. You can train a dog to sit in the place. Um, but that dog's heart is wanting to go and play. Yeah, I want to be under authority, but I just want to be able to run. I want to chase birds. I want to you know, be everything in me says I am this. I'm a yeah. dog. Yeah. When you find a place, the dog park, where it can just run and be, you see this all of a sudden, all over the dog's features, this excitement. They're mm -hmm. running in our, and Piper's that way. All of a sudden, she goes tearing off down the steps and is hurting herself because she's just filled with, but she's running and filled with joy the moment that you release her from the rules. Mm. I think what scripture is trying to do is not bind us up with rules, but it's actually saying, I'm not, I, the rules were in place when you were little so you wouldn't stick your finger in the light socket. Yeah. But the freedom as we mature through the scriptures and we grow is I'm pulling away actually those things that would actually restrict you so you can be my child with joy. And there should be something in you that instead of feeling restricted and bothered as a disciple, you actually are becoming more of what God intended you to be. The Spirit mm -hmm. of God has more room to move and you're more excited. So there should be a joy that attends your discipleship. Right. And I think that's yeah. the question. Another question for us just to consider this morning is, you know, does your life and your obedience to Christ reflect a joyful heart? Is, yeah. it, is it bringing you joy to live for the Lord? Because that's the mark of a disciple, someone that's so in love with the Father, so drawn to the Father, that these are not uh, burdensome requests. These are actually pleasurable opportunities, even though sometimes they might be difficult. Sometimes they might require faith or require perseverance. Um, there's joy in it because we're right smack dab yeah. in the Father's will. Sometimes I've asked uh, different people, whether it be in small groups or different uh, college age students, you know, like, why are certain things, why do you think God said this is not okay? You know, yeah. Was it because he flipped a coin and, okay, I'm going to just make that determination. We know that everything that he has decided, everything that we see in scripture is because it's relation to his character, it's good, and so it's going to be what he sees as good. But when God says, hey, you know, I, I don't want you to lie. Yeah, he is truth, 
But I think he also loves us enough to say, I don't want you to have to carry the burden of a lie where you're constantly covering up your tracks. Yeah. And so some of the things that he asks us to do that in our sinful flesh are a struggle. They're actually things he's actually inviting us to do because they're freeing. Yeah. They, they free us up to really experience life as he has made available to us through uh, faith in Christ. And so um, that is something that I really think it's important for us to realize is that, man, throughout the scripture, especially in the New Testament, we see the Lord inviting us into this newness of life. It's not just a list of rules. Yeah. It's, a, it's a list of uh, freedom. For sure. And, and the summary there is that joy should accompany that transformation. Yeah. Yeah, it will fill us up and it should be written on our faces. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up this morning, Pastor Justin, like what, what is, uh, maybe if we kind of sum up our time, like what is our desire? What is your desire? And, and then, you know, I, I think we'd be collective. Our desire for uh, folks here um, in regards to being disciples who make disciples. Yeah, I think the key thing, if we're going to take it from the head, to the heart is this idea of instead of saying I pass some classes or I don't have time for discipleship right now I'm doing you know X is to see your life as either magnetically pulled toward Jesus or not drawn at all and we want to invite you to begin to look at your life and say am I being pulled towards Christ and and, and what is it that's being transformed um, I think that the, the goal is going to be to get away from the idea of am I inside this boundary and move towards do I see myself being pulled towards Jesus? Is it exciting? Do I have joy? Do I love him? Am I living for him? Uh, is there that, that mark that uh, he has changed my life? Am I learning more about him? Yeah, I think for me, it's I, uh, right along those lines. I really want to be a church that has people who love Jesus, that we're drawn to yeah. Jesus. And I believe that's how people are experiencing um, church when we've been able to get together. They're seeing Christ in us, and I think that is, it stands out yeah. against a dark, in a dark world. But to be disciples who make disciples, um, is there is this transition where you go from being, when you first are saved, it's those mature believers who are just pouring into you and they're teaching you how to yeah. even read the Bible, open the Bible, how, you know, what are the chapters' names and how do you find your place? But then there comes a point in spiritual maturity for all of us as we move down that spectrum, that timeline where we're then called to go out and be disciple makers. But the key to that, and I think the key for us to be a church that has a hundred year legacy, 200 year legacy, a legacy that goes way beyond us is to be a church that says, in order for me to be a person that grabs on to a disciple and helps them grow, I have to still be growing. Yeah. If I'm not holding on to Jesus, if I'm not following after Jesus, I'm actually not pulling people to Jesus, I'm pulling them to myself. Yeah. But we need to both be moving in that direction. And, I, and that's why I, I'm so thankful for the many people who I see reflecting that, that as they have grown and as they've at, been pursuing spiritual maturity, they continue to follow Christ and say, hey, come alongside, come with me as I go. Yeah. And I want us to never lose that. For sure. So, well, um, as we wrap up this morning, uh, we want to just to continue to encourage families to discuss these things Yeah. Um, and, and talk about what it could look like in their own homes to, to be uh, disciples and how can they be encouraging each other um, as a family this week. So, yeah, I think... Uh, the, the things that are in my mind to, to kind of help them settle into that is to yeah. ask the question, which of these areas spoke to me? So that's the first one. 
um, and just be able to discuss, man, I, I see this area where it was a little bit dusty and now I've got to grow in that. That spoke to my heart. Uh, the second uh, piece is if there is something in me that actually is craving to follow Jesus, what, what is the area that you say, Lord, you've actually built me to do this or participate in life mm. this way. You made me to do this in the church. And, and I want to find out more about how to do that. If there's an area in your life you say, man, for me to be a Christian, I really want this. And that would be a prayer request this morning. But what is that thing that you are called to do or participate in that you know your heart is craving mm -hmm. in order to be fulfilled? Yeah. And the final question would be, who is it you are discipling? Yeah. It's not if you're discipling. Every single one of us leaves a mark in the world. We are teaching other people how to do something. Who are you discipling and pulling them, and where are you taking them? Yeah, that's, that's a great my, question. Yeah. Well, can I pray for us as we yeah. wrap up? Let's pray. God, just thank you so much for this time this morning. And Lord, we are so grateful to be not only your children, but called now to follow you. And, and God, I pray that you would equip our church to be a church that is a disciple-making church, God, that we are all moving towards you, um, looking forward to the day where we will be with you in heaven forever. But God, until that day, help us to never get over our salvation. Help us to never uh, lose a desire to continue to grow in our relationship with you. And God, give us wisdom to help make disciples, to take that truth that you have given to us through other people and be able to pass that down, the truth of your love and the gift of salvation, God. So we just ask that you would guide our times now as we discuss this as a family and that we would all be able to come back together uh, for church again next week. We pray this in your son's name.